Welcome back to FYI, the For Your Institution podcast presented by Mongoose. I am your host, Gil Rogers, and today I am excited to be joined by award-winning social media strategist and minor celebrity, Alexa Heinrich. Uh, In addition to serving as social media strategist for St. Petersburg College, Alexa is also an accessibility advocate, leading the creation and development of an amazing resource that should be on all markers' radar, Accessible Social. Alex, I'm going to start to call you Alex now so that we don't tip off any Amazon devices or anything like that out in the world. I would love for you to hop in, share your story for people who may not have heard from you before uh, about you know how you got involved with accessibility, how you developed your passion there, um, and just a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are. Sure. Thanks again for having me. Very excited to be here. Um, so my accessibility journey started like a lot of marketers accessibility journey starts, I feel completely by accident. I previously worked in Chicago for a very large community college system. And I was in charge of social media predominantly, but I also had other duties as assigned, of course. As we all do. Yeah, as we all do. (laughs) And one of those uh, responsibilities was the sliders on our homepage of the website. So I would just upload, you know, different visuals and then link to where they needed to go. And one day I was doing that and the digital strategist on my team asked me if I was adding alt text to those images. And I distinctly remember just kind of looking at her like, I have no idea what you're talking about. So she explains the use of alt text and its purpose. And I just remember feeling this really overwhelming sense of panic that I was missing such an important step in the content creation process. I ended up going home, doing all this personal research into accessibility for digital content, specifically social media, because that was my major role was managing social media for the colleges and um, crying because I suddenly had this realization that my content was possibly a barrier to someone getting a education, which was probably um, a little bit dramatic on my part because you know I'm not the only way that they find out about the colleges, but still it, it really shook me and I started doing more research in my free time and learning more about this um, because I just felt like I needed to do more. And then I just never stopped learning and never stopped talking about accessibility. And uh, now I teach other digital marketers, agencies, brands around the world about accessibility and how you can make your social media more inclusive for individuals with disabilities. Thank you for for sharing all of that and that that tail end there of how the scope of the people that you're working with brings me back to the comment I made at the beginning about minor celebrity. Before we hop into any of this, I would love for you to share your story about being and that feeling of celebrity with all of this for for folks to to kind of well one to get in on the joke, but also. <laughs> to kind of help us to understand the scope of the importance of of this process. To be clear, I'm not the only person out there who talks about accessibility, obviously, but I am one of the primary people within the marketing industry who really talks about accessibility as it pertains to social media. Um, And I have a big mouth and I like to (laughs) 
tweet about it and blog about it and yell at brands about it. So I'm just a really forceful person when it comes to educating others about accessibility. But again, I come from it from the perspective of a marketer. So a lot of people who are talking about accessibility and disability rights are in the disabled community, which I am part of, but I didn't really know that until I started learning about accessibility more. But I think it's just the unique perspective that I bring as a marketer with these practices and how you can make your content more accessible that has somehow made me very notable, which is a very strange existence. But I feel like the big reason that I have become notable is because I did build my own website, Accessible Social, to put all of these resources for digital marketers, social media professionals in one place. When I was learning about accessibility for social media, I hopped all over the internet. I was Googling different things, reading different articles, different blog posts, and trying to gather information that was specific to social media. So it was really hard because most of the information out there is for traditional websites. Mm -hmm. um, it's not for social media content. No one's thinking about tweets or wasn't at least. So I built my own website and it's become a resource for a lot of digital marketers. And I feel like that's kind of played into the notoriety that I have. So it's it's been a wild few years. There you go. And uh, notable is a great word. I love that word. I'm going to, I'll use that one for in the promotional content and all that sort of fun stuff. We'll get there. Um, so you, you speak about educating, right? And I think one thing just to take a step back for, you know, and I know this can be tricky because with podcasts and, and this type of content, sometimes there are people who are experts in the space and sometimes there's novices, right? And so for the people who are newer out there and maybe a refresher for, for others, um, can let's start from the very beginning. Do, can we define what it means for content to be accessible on the website, on social media, in a, in a broad sense, so that people can kind of understand from there? Because I think there, there might be some confusion or just opportunity for education. Sure. So accessibility as it pertains to digital spaces basically just means that you are creating content or digital spaces that everyone, no matter their physical or cognitive ability, can access. So whether someone has a vision disability or a learning disability, a hearing disability, they can still access the same level of information that everyone else can. So you're giving an equitable experience to everyone on the internet. And that that has its a host of challenges to do well, I'm assuming. I would I would love to kind of dive in on that, especially I think in a in a post-COVID world where everybody leaned in on video for a, a wide opportunity. And, and there's there's got to be challenges there with accessibility across multiple mediums and formats, audio, video, text, especially like you said on social, where some platforms make it easier than others to mm -hmm. make the content accessible. Um, you can tell I've been following your stuff on the internet as well for a little while. I'm, you know, geeking out a little bit as well. But, uh, you know, can you share a little bit about, about the best practices when it comes to different formats uh, of, and we obviously we don't want to get too nitty gritty. This is a podcast, it's meant to be casual, but you know, just a little bit about some high level best practices when people are thinking about distributing multimedia content across multiple channels and things they should be looking for. Of course. So when it comes to best practices for social media content, most of us are very familiar with captions for videos, which is always a must. 
um, not only because you want deaf and hard of hearing users to be able to access the content, but anyone with learning disabilities, if someone is autistic, if they have ADHD, there's a there's a wealth of people who need captions. I'm one of them just because it's easier for me to process visual information versus audio information. Um, alt text is my big one. I'm always telling people to add alt text. So it's basically a description of your image. So if you have an image on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever platform, you need to be able to describe that image so that someone who uses assistive technology or can't see the image knows what the image is about. It's pretty basic. Um, I think one of our favorite skill is camel case hashtags. Yep. So basically when you have like a compound hashtag, let's say social media rocks, you're going to make sure to capitalize the S in social, the M in media, and the R in rocks so that a screen reader, which is an assistive device, can actually read that hashtag. So that's a really basic one that I love reminding people about. I remind them every Wednesday because it's called Camel Case, so I remind them on hump day about uh -huh. doing that. Um, just a lot of simple things, just making sure that you're not going overboard with emoji because mm -hmm. they have little descriptions assigned to them, that you're not putting weird characters into your content from other websites that screen readers can't read. So really, there's a lot of simple things that people can do to make their content more accessible. Um, and the biggest challenge right now is just the learning gap that people have when it comes to this. Yeah. And that's, that's why websites like accessible social exist. We encourage, and we'll put in the episode notes, direct links and, and all that sort of fun stuff. I want to bring it back to emojis, right? Because, you know, people like emojis because of the, the visual representation of what they're trying to communicate. You can add color and emote and emotion to what you're saying, but that does create its own level of challenges. And I've seen the you know the videos that you've posted of a reader going through some of these, these posts that people think are funny and they, they can't, they are funny for the people who can read them. Right. Mm -hmm. But when you're not, those are, there's some challenges there. And I'd love for you to kind of just dive a little bit deeper on the emoji piece for people. Cause I know with, you know, with text messaging and with chat bots, there's going, there's incorporating of those types of, uh, of technology and those types of enhancements we'll say, or embellishments into messaging to try to, you know, connect with a youthful audience Mm -hmm. but it, it's to be used appropriately. And so I think that might help a lot of people, especially listeners to this podcast, uh, to make sure they're being most effective and supportive of their audience. Yeah. With emoji, they all have a unique descriptor that's assigned to them on the back end. So it's basically like their code identifier. And when an assistive device, like a screen reader comes across an emoji in written content, it's going to read that assigned description aloud. So mm -hmm. you're not going to, you're not going to obviously see the emoji. You're going to hear what it's called. And depending on what that emoji is, it could vary across platforms, devices, and browsers, just like they look different on Twitter versus looking different on Facebook. So when I teach people about emoji, I always suggest that you use them in moderation. I kind of stick to like one to three, if I'm going to put them in content. And I always put them at the end of my content so that the written part of my post or tweet is read first, because that's the important part. And then the emoji are at the end, so you're not making anything too confusing. Mm -hmm. um, the practice I see a lot is using emoji as bullet points, which unfortunately is not a good practice just because it sounds really wonky when a screen reader 
reads those emoji points um, along with the rest of the content. So it can get really tricky. And a lot of people don't realize too that if you have emoji with those custom skin tones, that adds an extra uh, level of description to your emoji. So it's not just gonna be raised hand, it's gonna be raised hand light skin tone. Got it. Yeah. And that that's trick. That's challenging because you look at like a lot of the the thought leaders in the space posting mm-hmm. things on LinkedIn with their long form posts about business. I mean, I'm one of them and I'm going to make adjustments now after this conversation of how we, you know, format our content that we post, but there's always a lot of like using emoji as a bullet, right. And, yeah. and trying to emphasize that point by having that, that emoji in that space, but it, you got to be careful with the volume of, of what you're, what you're doing and how confusing that can, that can make it for a, for a reader. Awesome. So one of my favorite parts about Mongoose is not having to, when you're covering different territories, especially somebody who's covered up to three different territories at once and having to cover different text message groups and things like that, not having to spend all my time actually importing interactions I've done and actually doing interactions throughout my day. And that's something, one of the many reasons why I actually enjoy using Mongoose and learning the different skills and tools that are implementing in the software. Learn more at mongooseresearch.com to see how our best-in-class service and support has helped colleges and universities like yours have smarter conversations. Um, You mentioned something something about captions too, and I want to go back to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And this gets into the, the practicality and the benefits of focusing on accessible content beyond being inclusive and supportive of the people who need it. That of course needs to be the primary, but a lot of people who don't quote unquote need captions, mm-hmm. you captions, you're watching a video on a bus or a or subway, right. you know, that, that makes that content accessible. Even when people don't need the assistive technology, they're using it in those spaces. And I'd love for you to kind of share if there's other, other ancillary, we'll call it benefits of focusing on accessibility for marketers specifically and kind of best practices to make sure that they're, they're, you know, cause I, it's sad, but for a lot of folks, it's the, what are the business benefits, right? And uh, you don't want that to be the primary, but for a lot of leadership level people, I, I had a conversation with a CEO a couple of weeks ago where they were, they said that they, they didn't think they needed their content to be accessible on Instagram, right? It wasn't a, wasn't a priority for them. They don't need to put the captions. It didn't look good in the video on Instagram. It's like, well, you know, it, there's other benefits beyond just accessibility. And I'd love for you to kind of share some of those for, for marketers who are struggling to communicate with leadership, the value and the benefits and the importance beyond accessibility. Yeah, of course. So beyond accessibility and supporting people with disabilities. Um, There is definitely a marketing aspect that uh, people should consider. So when you create accessible content, realistically, you're actually reaching more people, which as marketers is all we really want to do. If you were to boil down our purpose to one thing, it's we want to reach as many people as possible. So there's been um, data released that in 2020, Twitter released data saying that people are 28% more likely to watch a video all the way through if it has captions, something to consider. On Facebook, I think it's like 85% of people watch videos with sound off. On LinkedIn, it's 80% of videos are watched with sound off. Uh, Instagram, not that they do more video, is 40% of people watch videos with sound off. So 
it's just a good marketing move in addition to being an accessible best practice. So you, if you reach more people, you get better connections, better sales, better conversions. It's just better for your bottom line if you make accessible content. Now, let's talk about the other side of that. And that's the, the, the don't do just because you feel like it's better for your marketing purposes. And I think you, you know where I'm going at with this, and that's the use of alt tags, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, you mentioned before, alt tags are meant to be a descriptor of the image. So for people who have assistive technology can engage with that content and understand what it is. But I think the temptation, and I've seen this from a lot of speakers on social, especially recently, is to use that as a marketing vehicle for SEO, for mm-hmm. the those sorts of areas. I'd love for you to kind of share the do's and don'ts of it. Cause there's that thin line, right? Like at the end of the day, we should all just do it because it's the right thing to do, right? not do it because it's better for the marketing department, but there's, you know, so what, what, when, when we talk about alt tags specifically pros and cons benefits risks with, with focusing too much on things like SEO. Yeah. So Alt text and alt text fields um, have a few different purposes. So obviously my main priority is making images accessible by using an alt text field. Um, Additionally, if your uh, page, if your website doesn't load and the image doesn't load properly, the alt text will pop up instead to show you, okay, this is what this image was supposed to be. And then the one that marketers are usually most concerned about is SEO. So search engine optimization with how their uh, websites show up on Google, Bing, Yahoo, whatever they're using. I hope people aren't using Yahoo. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But a lot of people have discovered that if you pack certain keywords into the alt text field on websites, you can actually kind of manipulate the SEO of your websites. And it doesn't really work that way for social media platforms because to my knowledge, they aren't indexed by search engines where images aren't at least the alt text fields. So it doesn't really work as well. But a lot of content creators on Instagram have discovered that if you pack the alt text field on Instagram with keywords, you're gonna get better uh, results within the app itself. So you really don't wanna do that. If you can work a keyword into your image description logically, like let's say you have an image of a woman wearing Nike shoes and you say, instead of wearing a pair of black shoes, you say wearing a pair of black Nike shoes, that's totally fine because that Mm -hmm. image is still accessible and it's not just a bunch of random keywords. So you really wanna avoid manipulating an alt text field for engagement purposes because that's incredibly ableist and you just don't want to do that. You want to focus on the accessibility part. If if you can work your keywords into the alt text field logically, go for it. If you can't, that's what hashtags are for. And it sounds like follow best practices for SEO, right? Is the, Mm -hmm. is that's how you would go about doing SEO on your website as well, right? It's incorporate that content into your headlines, into your Mm -hmm. copy in a logical way. And so you wouldn't do, you wouldn't just pack a bunch of keywords into a blog post in hopes that people would come to it. You would structure it in a way that right. makes sense. Do the same thing with the images and the alt text. Exactly. So, exactly. Perfect. Perfect. Well, I'd 
I know we could talk about this all day. We could continue to to dive in deeper on on various topics. I would love to give you an opportunity to just reinforce the different ways that people can connect with you, connect with your content, leverage it the best. We'll throw it in the in the episode notes as well. Uh, but this is your opportunity to share any more, any recent work or new work that you're working on, um, and and let us know how to stay in touch with you. Sure. So if you want to get in touch with me, you can always find me at accessible-social.com, which is the Accessible Social website. I've packed the website with lots of great resources, additional information, demonstrations of con- of content. So if they want to visit, it's a lot of great learning opportunities. Um, I've also just published a new pocket guide. So it's my little image accessibility and accessible social pocket guide. So it goes through how to make images accessible, mostly because I get a lot of questions about how to write image descriptions properly. Um, So I figured I'd make a little guide for everyone that they can order. It's nice and tiny, so you can put it in your bag and go. But um, you can always find me on Twitter as well at hashtag HeyAlexa. I am always talking about accessibility on there. Awesome. Awesome. And how would someone go about getting the pocket guide? You can visit the Accessible Social website if you'd like to order the pocket guide. It's also where you can order the large Accessible Social uh, guidebook that I have um, that's much bigger than the little pocket guide, but they're (laughs) both on there for ordering. We'll call it the cargo pocket guide. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Alex, to to help us to understand this important topic. Um, always great to to hear your voice and have you be part of these conversations. And we look forward to seeing you all next time on FYI.